name is Andrea Hardiker and this is my COVID diary. Like everybody else worldwide, I'm trying to get to grips with a whole new lifestyle during the corona pandemic and I decided to chart my journey here. April 29th, 2020. This week, I received a handwritten letter from a person I've never met and know very little about. We follow each other on Facebook. I'm not even sure how we know each other, unless I started to follow him through a friend or vice versa. He's an artist, I know that much, and I enjoy his sketches, usually of busy, crowded places, of architecture, of people. He creates a real sense of place and atmosphere with the lightest stroke. I find myself envious. He's got a real skill. Receiving his letter was an absolute joy. I wish I could show it to you. Seeing my name on the envelope in actual handwriting made me think of birthdays or Christmas. It's rare these days to ever receive a handwritten envelope through the post, unless, of course, it's a special occasion. The note itself is written in green ink, which is quite surprising, but it feels immediately joyful and friendly. His writing is small but legible. The creamy paper on which it's written, I suspect, is torn from a travel journal. I say this because in faint brown print it says at the top, checklist for this trip. And in the left-hand corner, in the same ink, it states, page 161. I wonder if the journal was a gift or something he bought himself. It's the kind of thing that might be gifted. Whatever, he's still putting it to good use. And while he himself may be confined to a small daily stroll round the village where he lives, at least his words can travel. And more than that, I can travel through them. He tells me about his trip to the village green every day in front of his house, about the constantly bored neighbour he encounters there. He surmises this through her demeanour, and he recalls summers gone by when the green was a very different place when the pubs were open and the sun was shining. And without him drawing a single thing, I can see it all in my mind. I can see the summers gone by, and I can see the new lockdown green. I sense the bored neighbour and her husband, who is nearby sawing wood. I can also hear the sounds he shares, the hum of a bumblebee, the rooks in the rookery, and the distant traffic on the A69. He tells me that now, during lockdown, locals often sit on wooden benches, smoking cigarette after cigarette. Even their dogs, he says, fat sacks with no posture, look bored. But this is the line that really makes me smile. He says the woman who lives with them, I'm not sure of the relationship, I presume it's his girlfriend, says he should draw all those people. And his response is this. Every time someone says I should draw something, I think, you should draw it. And I childishly hate the idea. And that makes me smile. Because this is a point in the letter where I feel that human connection. Don't get me wrong, I enjoyed his description of nature and all the things he could see. But in that sentence, he reveals just the tiniest hint of a flaw. And the reason it makes me smile is because I'm exactly the same we share the same flaw. It can't just be me and my new pen friend who think this way. 
I know for a fact I've passed it on to my daughter. One of her favourite things is to ask me about a song she's writing. I'll give my opinion and she immediately hates it. And it makes me laugh because of course she does. Why wouldn't she? I'm her mum for goodness sake. At some basic level, none of us like being told what to do. Especially by those that we know. That's why I feel for those trying to home educate their children right now. Education seems to have lost all sense of itself in the school setting. It's not the fault of the teachers, believe me. I know how burnt out and fed up they are. If my children were still little during lockdown, I wouldn't even attempt a formal style of education. I know it would just end up in tension between us. So many parents taught their children to read and write before school when my kids were little. And those same parents seemed shocked that I didn't. But I'm not their teacher, I'm their mum. I taught them other stuff. And they taught themselves reading, by listening to me read, by remembering what I said and trying it for themselves. It was experimental. It was playful. It was fun. We've become so focused on the outcome of education that we forget about the journey. We forget about learning just for the sake of developing. So for that reason, I don't really care what my daughter's GCSE marks are. I know she was there for the journey. I know she was paying attention. She's bright and she will do well, but at the end of the day, those marks don't really matter, do they? Can you remember what you got for your GCSEs? When I was young, my granddad used to take me on nature walks, teaching me about how to identify a tree by its leaves, pointing out different birds or creepy crawlies. The creepy crawlies didn't go down so well with me, but I enjoyed the walks. I envied his wooden stick. It seemed such a cool thing to have when I was young. I wanted one of my own. Sometimes we would search for a stick so that I could have one too. My grandfather also taught me about the stars, about gardening, about drawing. He loved learning. He loved reading. He could be a boastful man regarding his knowledge and often appear to wind people up. I was shocked to find out as an adult that people considered him difficult. I didn't find him difficult and if he was boastful, so what? I didn't care. He carved me wooden boats and furniture in his garage which smelled of creosote in the summer. He let me pick strawberries and rhubarb from his garden to eat with little lumps of sugar. He put tinned peaches on his cornflakes and allowed me to copy him. And in winter he let me sleep over on Friday nights watching late night Hammer House of Horror movies on television. Now my granddad was a practical man. If he had the chance, he would have studied physics at university. He was a man of maths and science. So when I came along, I think he might have been a bit bewildered when I was too scared to go to bed and demanded that he stand outside the toilet with the light on in the hallway if I was using it. Every week he would tell me I had no need to be scared. All I was watching were actors. They were just pretending, but it didn't help. And no matter how frightened I got, I still wanted to watch those movies. And he seemed to understand this, as he never stopped me, even though I could be a real pain after it. I often wonder what he thought of me. I was a little different to his other grandchildren who were pretty savvy and brave. I was very different to him. 
As I said, he was good at maths and science and I remember his patient frustration trying to help me with second year maths exam at school. But why, Grandad, was all I could say when he tried to explain algebra. I just don't understand why. I'll never forget that test. I got 65%, possibly the highest mark I've ever had in maths. And it was definitely thanks to my patient granddad. It was my granddad who bought me a piano, aged nine. And when I took to it, he would encourage me to listen to music on his radio. He would visit and ask me to play for him. He sparked something in me which I passed on to both of my children. Yet the only thing he ever formally taught me was a little bit of algebra. I miss him. So getting back to my letter, I'm a fan of handwriting. It's a skill I rarely use. Nowadays, when I'm required to write something, I find my hand cramps up very quickly. Sometimes I miss out letters from words and have to go back and sketch them back in again. I have a handwritten letter from my gran framed on my wall. Her writing was so neat, a little shaky perhaps as she grew older. I remember her writing regularly to her family over in the States. She had sisters over there. And the letter I framed is actually penned on airmail paper. I treasure it so much because if you read it, you would see how she leaps off the page. Her entire personality is right there in a few short paragraphs. And so is our relationship. I also have a card from my grandfather somewhere. It's a birthday card. It's just a short message, but again, it's something I treasure. So I thought about what I could reply to my new pen friend, or even if he would like a reply. I've also sent a card to my mum, something unexpected to cheer her up. It's old-fashioned, I know, but in a world that's forever changing, where everything in life is so public, where people share their most intimate thoughts, not caring who overhears or reads it, I'm glad to be a little old-fashioned sometimes. I'm safe in the knowledge that whatever I put inside that envelope remains between myself and the person I send it to. Unless, of course, like my pen friend above, they're happy for it to be shared. To be clear, I did tell him it could be discussed on a podcast, so the irony of this isn't lost on me. But it really lifted my week receiving a handwritten letter, and I secretly hoped to receive another. I couldn't help notice that he signed off till next time. It's made me consider writing more letters of my own. I have many cousins and friends who might raise a smile at this. Some of them have kept letters from me in my youth. I've always been passionate to communicate and one of my cousins sent me a letter I wrote her in my teens a few birthdays ago that she'd clearly kept for all these years. I was so embarrassed by its contents I had to secret it away, but boy did it make me laugh. Letters spread a little bit of magic, and I just loved their secrecy. When a handwritten envelope arrives on your doorstep, it's full of surprises. You never know what's about to be shared. So here's to a little bit of magic, and here's definitely to a little bit of secrecy. I think... Having once again despaired at the hatred and vitriol splattered all over social media, now more than ever it's time to realise that not everything needs to be shared. <laughs>